Welcome to this podcast of sermons at CUNY United Methodist Church. And now faith is the work that we do. We kind of heave up our willpower 
you know, and, and have this great faith in God. That's not what we're talking about either. And we're also not talking about, I'm saved by faith alone. I'm done. I don't have to do anything now. I can just sit around, think of myself. So actions are an essential part of the life of discipleship. Our actions are truth-telling. Truth-telling about what we believe. The Methodist Church, what we call the Methodist Church, began as holy societies, is what they call them. We would call them small groups. They were groups of people, 10, 12, getting together on a weekly basis, discussing scripture, thinking through their own life and their own holy practices, asking each other for accountability so that they could grow in holiness. And as the time went on, and as that, that movement became a church, and as it grew and spread throughout the world and in this country, and we went through those times of the camp revivals. Remember the camp revivals of the 1800s? That was the Methodist church, lighting people on fire for Christ and then living it out. That's why we're called Methodists, because we have a method of living. I don't know why they didn't call us disciples, but whatever. <laughs> because that is this method of living. And so we have this strong sense of doing. I was talking with a Methodist pastor uh, recently, and they said, we are do-gooders. We do good stuff. Sometimes we forget that it comes out of faith. And our do-gooding can look like any other secular charity. And so we gather on Sunday to be transformed in faith, to connect the good that we do with the faith in Christ. So before we talk about holy practices, the, the goodness that we do, I want to go back to chapter 5, where Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Remember those blessings, those beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek? Sometimes they sound like suggestions or commands. They're actually blessings. This one can be a little tricky. You are the salt of the earth. Not you should be the salt or, you know, you act like salt, but you are the salt of the earth right now, sitting at Jesus' feet, learning. And salt is a seasoning, it is a preservative, it's necessary for life. And we can take that into what does it mean to be a disciple? Right now, you are the salt of the earth. Your salt, it's not the flavor of the salt, some would argue, that's so amazing. <laughs> It is the way it enhances others. You are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that, that enhance the whole world. That we exist not for ourselves, but for others. And salt loses its saltiness when it's diluted by worries and cares of the world and being self-centered. And too much
salt is worse. Look at me, I'm salt. Too much salt is deadly. In fact, in ancient times before weapons of mass destruction, that's how you wiped out a people. You salted their fields. It was deadly. It still works on weeds. And so the disciples, the disciples sitting at the feet of Jesus, they had already gotten past that egotistical look at me because he said, blessed are you poor in spirit. Blessed are you meek. You are the salt of the earth. Your random, random acts of kindness. Your random, opportunistic healing of others. Those times when you are deeply truthful about who you are and true to yourself. The disciples knew that their nature had changed. They weren't dirt. They weren't dust. They were salt. So when we talk about salt, and now we live in a church structure where the pastor's kind of out front. I mean, I'm up, I think I have to get stairs to get to up here. Or maybe the choir. But I'm the one, you know, that leads worship, and I get to do most of the talking. And it can seem like, it can seem like the pastor's the real Christian, the professional Christian, and lay people, you know, are amateur Christians. Well, I will tell you, one of the blessings for me, blessings of having been in lay ministry, in been, in been in ministry for a long time and not have been a pastor, is every church I have ever been in, if you were to ask me who are the holiest people in that church, the pastor never made my list. I actually don't think this church is any different. I am committed to a life of faith, and I am on a discipleship walk with you, and it is something that Jesus has told all of us, you are good, and you can be better. And I am right there with you. And if you want to know the holiest people in this church, you need to get to know each other to find those holy people. So remembering that we have been blessed and that we are already salt, now we're going to talk about Jesus teaching us these lifestyle practices, these how. He says, when you do good deeds, don't try to show off. When you do good deeds, don't try to show off. Good deeds, the Greek, the Greek is dikaiosene, and here it's translated good deeds. In other translations, it's piety. For me, good deeds and piety mean different things. Good deeds are, you know, charitable giving and taking care of others and random acts of kindness. And piety are those, those spiritual practices of prayer and worship. And here it's the same word, dikaiosene, meaning both. It's also translated that very same word as righteousness. So don't show off your righteousness when you do righteousness. It's used that very same word. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Dikaiosene. 
Blessed are those persecuted for righteousness' sake. Dikaiosene, it's the same word. When you do righteousness, when you do good deeds, when you do piety, when you do justice, don't show off. So Jesus is assuming that we're doing those things. Jesus is assuming that we're doing the good deeds, we're doing the righteousness, and that we're not to show off. At the same time, if we're salt, there is a public impact, right? So we have to be involved somehow. We have to be seen. And that's where it gets tricky. Are the practices we take on behalf of others for building up the kingdom, then that's the way we should be. Or are the practices based in our own self-interest so we can be seen? And that is not what we're to do. And if you are like me, you got both going on in there. <laughs> Giving alms. Jesus says, when you give alms, don't let anyone know about it. So again, Jesus is assuming that we're giving alms, and then he's telling us how to do it. I love Idaho Gives, which started, I don't know, it wasn't a long time ago, where you have that one day, and now it's several days, and I kind of save money up for it, and then I go through all the different charities and decide who I'm going to give to, and then you know when you're done giving, it says, do you want to share on social media? Because they found that when people share that they gave, other people are more likely to give tricky. Jesus says, don't tell people what you're doing. But if we tell people, then there's more giving. Sometimes people do that giving in other people's name as a way of giving without being known. Like the memorials we have here at this church. We have a new camera and a new audio um, visual system, and we're streaming this morning for the very first time. And all of that was funded by memorial money, by memorials in the name of Eric Henry and Jay Ball and Kathy Gailey. All of them were longtime members and well-loved. And I didn't know Eric or Jay, but I did know Kathy. Kathy was full of energy and full of ideas and loved this church and died suddenly and unexpectedly. She was influential in the community. She led the effort to pass the bond that built CUNA High School. She served on planning and zoning. She started a middle school after school program. I ran into her son last week. And I was with him in the you know, last week before she died, every single day in the hospital. And as his mother was dying, his wife went into labor. And he left his mother as she died and went over to labor and delivery and welcomed his new daughter. And when I ran into him, he said, there she is, she's a year and a half now. Kathy loved this church, and her loss was crushing. And all of the money in that memorial fund for her, somebody else gave. And it goes on blessing her. 
Jesus says, when you give to the poor, don't let anyone else know about it. There was a Jewish teacher in the 1100s named Maimonides who said there's eight levels of giving. He said the lowest level of giving is to give unwillingly. I've, my children, I've, they've done this. You know, I'll bet I did it as a child. Give unwillingly. The next level is to give willingly but inadequately. The next level is to give only when asked. The next level of giving is to give before the request comes. The next level of giving is to give anonymously, but like where we don't know who we're giving to, but the recipient knows who we are. The next level of giving is when we know the recipient, but they don't know that we're the ones that gave to them. The next level of giving is where neither the giver nor the receiver knows each other's identity. And the highest level of giving is what we would call justice building, where we provide financial base or partnership so that the person in poverty is no longer needing charity. All giving is good. Jesus says we are all good, and we can be better. When our focus is on God in our giving rather than ourselves, our concern for the dignity of others increases. Not out of a sense of pride that we're giving, but out of a sense of humility and awareness that we are a giver today, and tomorrow we may be the one in need, and we may be the receiver. And that everyone, everyone has something to give. I remember once, one day I was down at Corpus Christi House, and it happened to me by birthday, and people found out. And this homeless fellow, who has a longtime friend at Corpus, said, oh, it's your birthday. And he dug in his pack. He knew I was a religious person. He dug in his pack, and he pulled out a wooden cross, and he said, this is for your birthday. So if a homeless guy as a gift on the spur of the moment, all of us are able to give. Our giving as disciples, it is a reflection of our creator. We are created in the divine image and we are generous as God is generous. Jesus had something to tell us about praying. He said, when you pray, he said, how we pray is important. All, con all prayer is conversation with God. Our prayer can be praising God. It can be lament and sorrow. It can even be accusation or a demand to God. And just to be clear, Jesus doesn't tell us not to do any of those things. We're never told not to pray with anger towards God. That's not hypocrisy. That's honesty. But he does say don't show off. That we're told. Don't show off. When we pray in public, not to show off. Now, what about, this isn't how it was in Jesus' time, but what about you go to a restaurant and you say grace before meal? Is that showing off? Or is that witnessing to your faith? Tricky. Jesus says, don't talk on and on. God gets it. God is listening 
We don't need to have a long, long prayer in order to get God's attention. As if, as if we can manipulate God. We can keep up words, as it says in the scriptures, that if we pray long enough and in the right way and often enough, then God will give us what we want. God is not manipulatable. I heard a speaker, Matthew Kelly, once talked about when he went to college, he decided he really wanted to grow in his discipleship and his faith. And so he said every morning I would go to chapel and I would pray and I would give God his to-do list for the day. All prayer is good. And we can be better. Prayer is a conversation with the one who knows more than we do, who has more wisdom than we do. And it is conversation. Sister Meg Sass, who's a Benedictine sister at St. Gertrude's in central Idaho, says, said a good prayer begins with, Lord, this is what I need you to know. This is what's going on in my life. These are my joys. These are my concerns. And then it is, Lord, what do you need me to know? And then listening, Lord, what do you need me to know? Jesus prays frequently. Jesus, the Son of God, the Christ, the one who saved us with his teachings and his resurrection, prayed to God the Father frequently. They had a constant conversation going on. Like that texting conversation that never can, it never ends that we have with our best friends. Jesus is teaching us we are hearing Jesus' greatest hits and next week we're going to hear more about prayer. We're going to hear more about how Jesus teaches us prayer how to pray in that conversation of telling God what we need and listening for what God needs us to do. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast is preached almost always by our pastor, Reverend Mia Crosswaite. CUNA United Methodist Church is a community on a mission to make disciples for the transformation of the world. To support this podcast and the missional priorities of this church, go to cunaumc.org and click on Give. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you things.